morning, everyone. Let's stand together and worship. clouds your word is always going out your whisper i keep following the sound into your presence i get caught up shadows left behind i get caught up drawn into your light i get caught up but where spirit is alive to your presence like a child we come running through the halls of heaven to the
turn to the person next to you and shake hands.
to die for us because we know you're alive you're the God with us you're Emmanuel the one who never lets us down father we're grateful thank you for this opportunity because you never let us down we can count on you through the thick through the thin we thank you you're the one who was the one who is and the one who ever will be Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you because you're with us. Thank you because you told us that if we trust in you and we're clothed after you, you will walk with us. We thank you for everyone who's gathered here today that you will minister to their spirits, to their life, and you renew their hearts to seek after you. We're ever grateful because you are here. Thank you, Jesus, for choosing to die on the cross for our sins. And you challenge us to accept that gift. To you be all glory, all honor, and all adoration. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a seat and watch this. Hey guys, Celebrate Recovery is for everyone, including me. See, I've been in the chemical dependency side with drugs and alcohol, but there's other times where I also fit into the A to Z groups. Celebrate Recovery is for anyone and everyone. If you just want some more information or want to come by and check us out, Thursdays, 7 p.m. at Salem Field. Celebrate Recovery is not just for anyone suffering from an addiction. 
is for anyone who's gone through, through a hurt or just needs the support system. So if you know anyone or you yourself are struggling with something, it's a group that can encompass you and help you get through this journey. We have tithes and offering coming up after these announcements. There are several ways to do that. You can either use the, the new app or you can go outside at the kiosk or drop the offering in the offering buckets or any other approach as you're walking out. The connection cards are in your uh, booklet. It looks something like this. It's just a way for the church to stay connected with you and to get to know you better. And if you have any prayer requests, please feel free to add that on there. This is the one time in the service you're allowed to pull out your phones, check in and let everyone know where you are and invite them to church because it's another chance for them to get to know Jesus. First time guests, welcome, welcome, welcome. We appreciate you taking time on this rainy Sunday morning to join us. Please, um, there's a banner outside that says first time guests, just step over there. There's a gift waiting for you, a hug, a handshake, just another opportunity for us to connect with you. The crisis care kits and disaster response. Many of you have asked how the church is responding to that. In your booklets or your pamphlets today, there's a list of items that you can contribute towards um, helping those in the North Carolina, South Carolina region that have gone through the hurricane. If you want more information, there's a table outside, or you can just send an email to missions at salemfields.com. Celebration service is coming up at the end of this month. That's September 30th at 6 p.m. It's another opportunity to worship. We worship on a daily basis. It's another gathering for new births, baptisms, and testimonies. Trunk and Treat is coming up. The one time in the year where the kids are allowed to pig out and we can join them in the process. But to do that, we need a lot of candy, a lot of candy. So please contribute as you can. Uh, there's a big black pot outside. It's not to scare the kids or you if you are scared of big pots. But it's, another, it's a place to drop the candy and uh, we will uh, use that for trunk and treat. Grief Share is coming up and starts October 3rd at 7 p.m. It's for anyone who's experienced loss, loss from anything. And it's a group uh, approach for anyone in the community, whether yourself or friends or family. Please take time to invite them or come and join the group. Thank you, enjoy service. Thank you, and that's Mary. She's um, a member of the board and we're really happy to have her here. And she's really helped me to be able to say today, I have a fear of big black pots. So thank you guys if you just keep me in your prayers for that. Um, well, we look a little different up here this morning. A lot of our uh, band members went off to Men's Advance in Jamestown and they're having a great time. So Peyton and I just decided to do our own thing up here and say, we don't need no men. Um, <laughs> But we kind of do because there was a bug in my car on the way home from Richmond the other night, and it was bad. So, But thankfully, Jackson was manning up for me and took care of it. So still, I need a man. All right. Well, we're going to continue to worship as the um, buckets pass. Join us uh, by standing and worshiping with us. In the presence of my enemies. When the storm is crashing down on me, I will trust in what I cannot see. I wait for you, I wait for you. 
our series called Dress Code. Well, uh, Men's Advance have taken, 55 men went on Men's Advance, and, uh, and, and yeah, that, it really is awesome. And uh, this morning I was watching out uh, the window as the women brought their children all by themselves. You did it, Greta. You can do it. And I was so impressed because you put the rain on top of that. And if I had little children and rain, I would have probably slept in this morning. So I am really, no, no, I'd be here. I'd be here. I couldn't stay away from here. But I have seen the things that I've needed my man for. A frog came up in my drain in my bathroom sink. Needed him for that. Normally I'd go, buddy. But I froze and I took care of it myself. Flushed that booger down the toilet. <laughs> and then, yeah, he was alive. I, I am, oh I, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Well, he's still alive. He'll, he'll go into the sewer, swim away, and he'll be, I didn't put him in the garbage disposal. Now that's what one of the guys suggested. I would never do that. Those little suction cups came up on, oh, it was, it was nasty. I would have liked to have had Buddy for that, but I did it, I did it. Go ahead, clap for me. Thank you, thank you. Buddy was proud of me for that. And then nobody brought my car to me in the rain. <laughs> Men are really important. <laughs> no, I've done just fine. All by myself, as Jody said. I had to carry my stand out here all by myself. But uh, guys, you're a whole lot more important than just doing things for us. We want you around. We love for you to grow spiritually in that whole thing. So I'll move on. <laughs> um, well, I, had a, I went on a trip to Spain uh, just a couple weeks ago, Spain, Portugal, and uh, the UK, which is Rock of Gibraltar. I went all the way from the north of Spain. We drove 2,000 miles all around Spain. And uh, I never read up on things before I go because I like to go and see things that I don't understand. And then when I come back, I research and I say, well, what was that all about? And Buddy gave me this little list of things uh, that go on in Spain. And they're known for their festivals. And we ran into two major festivals, and I did not understand what these festivals were all about. But that what I noticed, I couldn't think of anything but this series, Dress Code, because when I went in there, it was like there was this strong dress code that I, I didn't get. So we went to the Rock of Gibraltar, and you go in there, it's, just a t it's, it's under the rule of uh, the UK. It's right at the tip of uh, Spain. And uh, I went in there and everybody was dressed in red and it was just like busy. I mean, there were throngs of people in this little city. Now here was a dress code. I saw the guys and I snapped that. I just started snapping pictures because I said, I want to come back and use this for dress code. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> and then here was a dress code. I don't know, there, there was one. And I just said, oh, those guys, I said, could I take your picture? And they, I'm sure they wondered why in the world. There's a dress code, those lovely young ladies. And then I got the doggies. <laughs> See their little dress code there? <laughs> they're, they're conforming for some purpose. And then I ran across this guy, and he was my guy that uh, was about tattoos. And then I thought, you know what? Uh, there's only two kinds of people in the world, those that have no tattoos and those that have a tattoo or more, right? And so uh, he was kind of, and so that was Rock of Gibraltar, and it was like, they called it National Day. 
And with all the red, I thought, am I in D.C. at a Nationals game? It looked like that, but no. What it was was a national. It was something about sovereignty. I didn't really understand what that was all about. But I knew there was this strong dress code. And then we were out in Guada, uh, Guadalajara, right outside of Madrid on the, our next night, and, and I saw a strong dress code here. We went down to the little village. Well, it wasn't little. It's pretty big because there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people there. There were groupings of people with these T-shirts on, and they had like that pavilion, and there was a band, and they were going like crazy, and there were people with blue and yellow groupings of dress code. There were, was red T-shirts with dress. There were polka dot T-shirts. And it was like, what is going on here? But I knew there was this strong dress code. And you see, a dress code is people conforming with their clothes for some specific purpose. Uh, there were bands there and, uh, and children there, and they were dressed alike in these groupings of people. Never did find out what it was, didn't bother to research that. But while I was in Portugal, uh, at 11 o'clock at night, I tuned in to Salem Fields Community Church, and uh, it was the weekend that Sounds of Liberty were here. What, weren't they great? They were great. And I heard Jody say, Jody's an alumni of, of Liberty, and she, she looked at them and she said, wow, the dress code sure has changed since I've been there. Because when she was there, they had to wear dresses with shoulder pads, and uh, they couldn't wear jeans. And, and so, you know, for me, I thought about when I was in high school, we had a dress code. I, had to, I was in a public school, and I had to wear a dress. And the guys couldn't wear jeans. And uh, as soon as I got out of high school, they let that dress code go, and uh, things just fell apart. <laughs> it did seem like something changed. But there was this strong dress code. And what that made me realize is that an outward dress code will change. Outward dress codes change. But this series is about a dress code that will never change. It's about a dress code that Paul writes about. He writes to the Colossians, and he hangs this wardrobe out on the Colossians' clothesline. And he makes it very clear that this is an internal dress code that will never, ever change. Let's read this key verse for our series together. Okay, go ahead. I'm going to let you do it. Therefore, So we've been clothing ourselves with a spiritual dress code that will never change, that God calls us to. Now, God is much more concerned about how we dress on the inside than how we dress on the outside. He just cares more about that. And the first week we kicked it off, Rich, if you remember that message and if you didn't see it, go back because it profoundly impacted my heart. I was standing on this stage and the Lord just spoke to my heart. I even had to leave because uh, God was just really speaking to me and I'm in kind of the process of listening to what the Lord is, is speaking to me about compassion, that we're to clothe ourselves in compassion. And then Buddy had two messages on kindness and our kindness board is over there. And a lot of people say, well, why do you have to write what you do up on a board? That was just kind of a way to say, hey, let's just do kind things in Spotsylvania County, but you guys are doing kind things all the time. You don't even realize it. 
and you don't even think to write it down. But that's what that was about, was allowing God to produce kindness in us. And then he, he did a message on gentleness. And that's our wardrobe. This week, we're going to talk about another piece of clothing, another garment, and that is patience. How about that one? Does anyone here pray for patience? <laughs> you know that when you pray for patience, that you're going to get some delays, right? That's what you're praying for. You're basically praying. If you're saying, God, give me patience, you're basically saying, God, give me some problems, <laughs> right? Because it's through those problems and through those challenges that we develop patience. And so we're going to take a look at that today. And the way that I've described or defined this garment is strength under pressure. So in other words, uh, developing patience requires pressure. And it's developing this strength under pressure so we won't blow. And so that we will develop this beautiful wardrobe that God has promised to us when we do things his way. Now, our culture, our society is not exactly, we don't have the virtue of, of patience. I mean, after all, we're the ones that, that invented fast food, right? You got to have fast. You know what I noticed in Spain was I didn't see any McDonald's where we traveled. Now, I, I saw one in Madrid but they were far and few between, only in the cities. And what I noticed about the food, it was incredible. Because still in the restaurants, they grow their own food. They raise their own uh, livestock. And they take time. And I didn't realize what was going on until I got back and did this message and said, that's why the food is so good. Because it's not quick and processed. It, it's because they, they take time and make that food. The food was incredible. Now, uh, we, we have microwaves, we have drive-throughs, we have express lanes, and we get impatient when those people are not going as fast as we think that they should. Now, you know that's true, right? We all have those issues. Not one person here doesn't have that something in your life that just grates on your last nerve. And I'd love for you during this message, during this uh, 30 minutes that we have together, to allow the Lord to just bore right down into what is it that touches on something inside of you that brings out that frustration. And we'll talk about that. But I, I would say that every pet peeve, most of the pet peeves that people have, those things that just totally annoy us, revolve around impatience or waiting on someone, or waiting on something of some kind. I mean, let's face it, doctor's office, you go in there, and everybody complains about waiting too long in the doctor's office. I'm not sure why, because that's part of what doctor's offices are all about. But we think that we should get in there quickly. Uh, slow service at a fast food restaurant. How about that slow driver in the left lane? Going to get you on that one. <laughs> He's going 90. He's going way too slow. <laughs> <laughs> Most of us, you know, there are people in our life that just annoy. Kids, uh, that's their job, to annoy you, <laughs> to, to make you impatient so that you can learn impatience. Your spouse, that's another one. As much as we love them and want them there to get frogs out of our drain, they still can annoy us, right? And so there are people in our life 
that, that will cause, bring that impatience out of us. There was a woman in some ha heavy traffic, and I always feel so bad about people when their car breaks down and you see their flashers on and they're in the middle of the road. And there was a woman and her car had broken down and, and she was uh, tried and tried and tried to get it started. And uh, she finally got out, went under the hood, and the, there was this chorus of horns that were blowing behind her. Everybody was impatient, saying, get out of the road, get out of the road. And so she just decided she went back to the first driver, and, she, and he, he was, she or she, was blowing the horn like crazy. And she said, if you could just go up and get my car fixed for me, I'll stay here and blow the horn for you. <laughs> We get impatient. We get annoyed. Uh, how about this one? to do that. <laughs> You've thought about that. <laughs> we get annoyed. So I asked my small group, and uh, I asked them in, a, in small group, and then I forgot what they said. What, what makes you impatient? <laughs> you liked that one, didn't you? Because you wanted to do that. <laughs> you just didn't because whatever. Uh, so I asked them, and it started to blow up my uh, message, messenger, uh, for my small group. I said, what, what makes you guys impatient? Normally, they wait forever to answer, and it just started going, rolling like crazy. The first one, she's at UVA now, and she said, slow walkers. When I'm going to class and I get behind slow walkers, it just makes me so impatient. And then someone else said, traffic. Tra of course, uh, most people can say traffic. And did you ever think about why the slowest hour in traffic is called rush hour? I'm not sure, probably because we drive on parkways and park on driveways. It's kind of that way. Uh, another one said, slow feedback. If I ask someone a question or I'm texting them and you don't get feedback, uh, it's just so annoying because you're waiting and waiting and waiting and that person won't comply with what you need. And uh, then basically they all said, anything slow. <laughs> anything slow. And uh, for me, you know, I, as I was preparing this message, I, I said, okay, I want to identify. I want to clearly identify because then I can do something with what it is inside of me. The very surface one for me is technology. I just, you know, I lose patience with technology because it does these little things. Anyway, I won't get into that. And then I identified two much deeper places within me things that I've been waiting on for a long, long, long time, and it seems like there isn't much movement. It seems like there aren't many results, and, and it's, it's like there are things. It's really about what we want that is not coming to be. 
what somebody else is doing that isn't complying with what I want them to do. And generally, if you think about it, that's what brings out our impatience. Yet, the Bible calls us, and Paul's speaking to Christ followers here. If you're, if you're a person that's just exploring the faith and you've never entered into this, this faith, Paul is really not talking to you because you see, as Christ followers, we have the Holy Spirit. And we're the ones that the Holy Spirit will produce this in us. We're the ones responsible for saying, God calls us to have this wardrobe of compassion and kindness and gentleness and patience and humility. I save humility for next week because I just think that's one of the most important things that's a counterfeit in our, in our world today. But we are called for a specific purpose to have this internal spiritual dress code. And the purpose is for us to reflect Jesus. The purpose is for us to be transformed and for that to spill out, for that wardrobe to spill out into the world and make it a better place. In James, it, he clearly says, he says, be patient, brothers and sisters. See, we're called to be patient. But, you know, the Bible tells us to be that, and we say, well, how does that happen? That's what this is all about. And he says, watch how the farmer watches their crops. He waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. You too, us too, be patient, stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Now, I don't think in this passage that he's talking about the second coming of Jesus. He's talking about the Lord coming to intervene in your heart and in your situation to produce this garment of patience. You know, the farmer doesn't go out to the corn and plant it and say, come on, corn, come on, corn, grow, 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 and get impatient with the stalks of corn. Or a person doesn't plant a garden and just expect it to yield a harvest in a, a couple of weeks. It takes patience. It takes the rain. It takes things to happen. It takes hoeing the weeds. There's a lot that happens when it appears as though nothing is happening. Waiting can be unbearable. When you're in traffic and somebody just isn't doing what you want them to do. Or when you have a child that just seems so defiant and they, you've told them over and over and over again and they just won't do, it brings out that impatience in us. All of us have those kinds of things. When you pray for something, and that's what one of my small group uh, uh, people said, was that I, when I pray for something and I have to wait and wait, and sometimes I don't even see any results from that. And it gets discouraging, and I get impatient. You know, the statistics show that we spend about an hour every day waiting on something. Elevators, computers to load, other people, on and on and on, et cetera, et cetera. We're waiting every day. And over the course of a lifetime, lifespan, which is 70 years, that means that we would wait about three years out of our life. Now, that, that means that if we're miserable, 
when we're waiting, we're gonna spend three years of our life miserable. And what happens, what comes out of us when we're miserable? And Paul clearly says to Christ followers, he says, we're to be clothed in patience. So how is patience? How does it become strength under pressure? And how do we sow that into our life? Here it is. By realizing that the problem is not waiting, the problem is not waiting, the problem is not other people. The problem is what happens in our hearts while we're waiting, okay? Now, the Greek word for patience means a long fuse. You know, the problem for us is that it seems as though God's fuse and our fuse are very different lengths. And uh, our fuse goes off a lot quicker than his does, and his can burn forever. I was walking, and I thought about... Uh, this long fuse thing, and I thought of a pressure cooker. Does anyone know what a pressure cooker is? Yeah, the, well, you're not older, but <laughs> my mother-in-law used a pressure cooker. And out of this pressure cooker, she developed, she, she made some incredible food. Now today, in our fast-paced world, what do we have? Yes, only takes eight minutes for what a pressure cooker had to do in hours, right? But that's okay. The point of it is that there's this intense pressure. It's a way to cook food where intense pressure and steam work together so that when you finish, you've got some incredibly delicious food. And it releases steam. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to look up what a pressure cooker does. Watch this. The sound of a pressure cooker may be startling but it is a call to you that it is doing its job. Yes, food will be served soon. There are two very important things happening inside the chamber of a pressure cooker, steam and pressure. A combination of steam and pressure make the pressure cooker the efficient kitchen delight. The two work together to cook things in no time. The increased pressure inside the cooker literally forces the heat into the food. Think of the pressure as an invisible hand pushing the extra hot steam into the very core of the food inside. There are two extremely important parts in all pressure cookers. The rubber ring that goes between the pot and the lid ensures that no air escapes from inside the container. If it did, then the pressure would not be able to build up. The valve on the top is a safety measure that makes sure the pressure does not build up to dangerous levels inside the pot. This could lead to a potentially dangerous explosion. It is designed to allow some of the steam to escape after the pressure inside reaches a certain point. And with that startling whistle, we know how much the food has been cooked. <laughs> Can you relate? There are two very important parts, the rubber ring and the valve. Okay, remember that. But what I loved at the very beginning was, was it said, the sound may be startling. When that little rattle starts, my buddy said he can remember when he was a kid, he'd hear that valve just going like crazy. Uh, the more expensive that you have, the less that valve does that. But he says he can remember that when he was a kid. 
And that, and, and it said in there, it said, the more startling that sound is, it might be startling to you, like when you're in the heat of whatever it is that's causing you to be impatient, that may be something you wish you didn't have, but it's very, very important because it can tell you something about yourself and about your impatience. And those two parts, the rubber ring and the, the valve, are extremely important. Now, here's, I, I want to give a little uh, insert here because there are lots of, Christ, lots of people who are not Christians that are very patient people. So you don't have to be a Christian to have patience. You can work really hard. You can do a lot of self-evaluation. You can do a lot of practice. And you can become a more patient person. And so the question is, what distinguishes a Christ follower from someone out there who just works really hard but really doesn't care that much about Jesus? That's important for us to know. I think of Olympians. They know how to create strength under huge pressure. And while some Olympians are believers, not all of them are, and many of them win gold medals by practicing and practicing and learning how to have strength under pressure. So what is it that defines us as Christ followers? Well, Christ followers choose to handle the pressure with God's strength not personal strength. You see, it's what we do when it seems like nothing is happening. It's what we do and how we respond when we're waiting and waiting and praying and praying and things are just not changing and we get ticked off at that person or we get ticked off at the situation. It's what we do in those moments and when, when the crop is growing and we can't see anything happening, it's what we do and what we turn to then. You see that rubber ring that was on that pressure cooker? That's God holding the pressure in. You know, we'll go to God and we'll say, God, please take this situation away. Please help me with this problem. Please make me more patient. And then we get mad at God because the problem doesn't go away. And he's saying, I don't want that problem to go away in your life. I've got a rubber ring that is sealing that lid because the steam and the pressure are absolutely essential for you to, de to develop this garment of, pa of, of patience. But we're praying and we're asking God to take it away. And he's saying, no, that pressure is important. So the very first thing that I, that I propose to you is welcome that pressure. Stop praying it away. In James, it says, consider it pure joy. Now, we've read this verse a hundred times probably, and we know in our head, yeah, 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 consider it a good thing when troubles come. But if we truly live this, if in the middle of our impatience of that driver that's not doing what I just had someone last night, uh, Jody and I went to eat it at uh, Cracker Barrel, and I clearly went over, I had a blind spot, and I clearly went over into that person's lane, and they were honking the horn at me, and I was in the wrong. And, but uh, she had said all the way down that road, she was watching that driver, and she said that driver was just impatient at everybody. 
And we're out there and there's so much impatience and it leads to irritation and anger and then it leads to an explosion. Remember it said that if that's not working properly, there will be an explosion. And so we have to learn how to develop this valve to release some of the steam. And when we do that steam and that pressure and that heat and those little invisible hands of God will produce this garment of patience. And the question is, are we surrendering, are we allowing our life to be given over to the Lord to produce that in us? But he says, he says, consider it pure joy. So I say, welcome that pressure. Embrace that pressure. Don't pray it away. And then secondly, what do we do when it seems like nothing is happening and we're waiting and things are not changing? Strengthen your heart. Do whatever it takes to strengthen your heart in the unpressurized times so that when those in th that pressure intensifies, you'll be ready for it. And so if you're asking God, God, I want to not pray that pressure away, but when that pressure comes, I, I need to strengthen my heart. And there are some ways that you can strengthen your heart when you're not in the middle of the intensity of the pressure. The first thing is, is to do exactly what you've done here today, connect to the body of Christ. In Romans 1.11, it clearly says that if you're not taking your spiritual gifts and turning that over, uh, every Christ follower has been given a spiritual gift, and if you're not taking that, and using that to build up the kingdom of God, to build up the body of Christ, you're going to live frustrated, and you're not going to be developing your patience. And so while you're waiting, get involved with something. Join a small group or serve in some kind of ministry. Do more than just attend a, a worship service because God has given you a spiritual gift. And if you're not using that, I've watched people through the years be... Uh, gifted spiritually and not use it and just be so frustrated. And so clearly the Bible tells us connect to the body of Christ. The second thing that we can do is remember that our tantrums, our complaining, you know, it's, it's interesting because we'll talk to other people about what people have done to us or about what happened to us in in, uh, you know, I talked to you about that frog coming out. I mean, these, these irritations that we have, we want validation from other people. And so we begin to start complaining or we throw a little tantrum that we don't like what's happening. We're not getting our way. And we get down on children for saying, ah, I want that and wow, wang. But in reality, think about it. Jesus is listening to us, his child, kind of throw a little temper tantrum about not getting our own way because other people aren't doing what we want them to do. And that actually feeds our impatience. It makes us having things right now, when I want it, how I want it, actually makes me more impatient. And so it's the waiting. It's the slowing down. It's, the, it's what God does. He says in James, he says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. You see, when we're in the midst of that, Jesus is listening. He hears what comes out of our mouth. He sees how we're handling 
that irritation. And he must just go, oh, man. And so they mention, it, this, this passage mentions Jesus coming again or Jesus standing at the door. And I think that's not about his second coming. I think, about, I think that's about him being right there with us, wanting to intervene in our heart. But we've got our eyes on what we want, how we want other people to change. And we've got our, our, our grumbling about this situation that we're having to endure. Instead of saying, you know, Jesus, I really need to call on your strength right now. This pressure, I need to know how to release this steam in an effective and in an efficient way. And you know how we do that? We praise God anyway. Right in the middle of that, stop yourself and start praising God. We can't praise God enough. Start thanking him for what you do have. I was talking to someone just a day or so ago, and we started talking about how hot it had been. And it was like, oh, man, I can't even put my top down on my car, going on and on. And, and I, I was checked and said, but at least my house isn't flooded. You know, there's always something. When we hear ourselves grumbling and complaining, if we could just stop ourselves and begin to thank God for what we have, because we all have so much. In the morning, we've wakened up and we got crawled out of a bed. Probably didn't have rain coming down on our head last night. You know, there are so many things if we just praise God. And then here's one. Intentionally use your waiting time to grow you. Intentionally practice waiting. Use every pressure situation that you have when your child's just getting grating on your last nerve, when that driver, when your boss, when your spouse, they're just not doing what you want them to do, use that situation to say, God, I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you. And then what you have to do is you have to trust God's timing. Just like the farmer. While the crop is growing, something is happening. Something is happening during that time. And the farmer doesn't just go up and sit in the house and say, well, I'll just wait until the fall, until that crop grows. No, the farmer is continuing to do things as, as that crop is growing because one day there's going to be a window of opportunity for that harvest to take place, for you to see that God's timing was perfect. And you have to practice waiting or you'll never see it. Because God speaks to us as we get in sync with his rhythm. There are some things that we'll never hear because we're griping and complaining about what other people aren't doing that we want them to do. But we have to practice waiting and we have to trust his timing. I went to a restaurant the other night and uh, I love that Capri salad, you know, the tomato and the basil and the, all of that. And uh, I asked them, I said, how's your tomato? Because I know this time of year, tomatoes aren't that great. And so he walked back into the kitchen. He came out and he brought this big old tomato. And I said, well, that was creative. You thought about just bringing it, show it to me, let me decide. And I said, I don't want it. <laughs> because it was not ripe. It clearly had been picked way too soon. Now, if he would have brought a tomato out and he would have, it would have been all rotten. I said, uh-uh, I don't want it. Because I love tomatoes, and I love a good 
tomato that has been picked at just the right time. Man, I've grown, grew up on toast and tomato. You take a piece of toast and you get some butter and put butter about two inches thick on that, melt it, put a sli slice of that tomato, salt and pepper. I'm telling you, it's at the very top of my list of food. I love it because I love that tomato. And if I can get a caprice salad with a, a good ripe tomato, are you following me? That tomato has to be picked at just the right time. There is a perfect timing for you. And when we're griping and when we're complaining and when we're praying that pressure away, we're not allowing the pressure and the steam. And in the meantime, we need to let our steam off effectively and efficiently. That steam valve is very, very important. We can do that by practicing to wait. We can do that by trusting God's timing. We can't see what he's doing, but he has promised us that if we wait, that he has a blessing for us. He has promised us. You see, the more you practice trust, the quicker you're going to learn and the better your life is going to be. That's just how it is. And when we endure, the Bible cannot lie. God cannot lie. And he promised if that we will trust his timing, if we will practice waiting, if we will learn to read what's going on inside of ourselves and surrender that to God, when we endure, you will be blessed. You'll be blessed. It's the promise of the Bible. Take your eyes off of that person. Take your eyes off of that situation and begin to do these things that will, that will develop and sow this garment of patience within you and the Bible says, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy for you. But it's a partnership in developing that patience. And if you'll stop complaining, you might begin to see how God is truly intervening in your life. As I prepared this message, it was beautiful for me to begin to see what God is doing. But sometimes we don't understand. I'm a person that loves to understand, but I've had to give that up. I've had, I'm an intellectual person, and I love learning, and I love understanding. But God is God, and there will be things that we will never understand about him. If we try to understand everything, then we want to be God. I don't want to be God, so I have to trust in him in the things that I cannot see and trust that his timing is perfect and that he cares for me. Ooh, that sounded like a little song right there. <laughs> Joseph. Joseph was in prison for 13 years for something that he did not do. Now, you know when he was in prison that he must have at some point said, God, I'd love to get out of here. I don't even do this. You know what Joseph did? He witnessed to the people around him. He praised God, and he endured. You know, God didn't take the lion's den away from Daniel. He didn't take that problem away. He went in the lion's den with Daniel. Noah had to wait 120 years and take the harassment and, and, and what people were doing to him. They laughed at him. You're building this ark. That's ridiculous. He had to wait 120 years to see God's promise come through. Hannah waited a long, long time. She wanted to get pregnant. She wanted to give God a child, and she didn't get pregnant, didn't get pregnant, waited and waited and waited. She was growing older and older and older. 
And then finally, she endured. She did not give up. She praised God. She stayed in the temple. And she bore Samuel, who is a great prophet of God. We still talk about them today. They waited, and suffering and patience go together. Don't pray it away. Because there's so much for God to do while that's happening. They stood firm, steadfast. They stood firm. They praised God. Job, as bad as it got, it kept getting worse and worse. And quite honestly, these couple of things that I have in my life, I've watched these things sort of get worse and worse and worse. And I'm saying, God, what, what's, what is, <laughs> you know, that's just my own personal journey. And sometimes, it, just like with Job, it appeared to get worse and worse and worse. But he was determined. And though his wife and everyone around him said, curse God, he said, though he slay me, though everything goes away, I will still praise him. I will still serve him. Boy, for believers to have that kind of steadfast, that kind of conviction, I'm telling you, you'll stand firm when those tough times come. These are my heroes. These are my mentors. These are the ones that I look to, and I say, God, I want to be like that. I want to be like Daniel. I want to be like Joseph when I'm accused of things that really aren't the things that I've done. I want to stand firm. I want to be like Hannah and never give up that God has that blessing for me. I think of my mom, and she prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for my brother, my oldest brother, from the time he was born until the day she died. She never saw him come to know the Lord, but when she died, my brother, after that, discovered he had lung cancer, he had eight months to live, and I was the one that got to lead him to the Lord. I got to enjoy the harvest of the years of prayer that my mother, even when you don't see it, even when you don't understand, you never give up. You always have hope, always, because we're dealing with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and someone that cannot lie to us. And so how do you do your waiting? You know, Christian asked me last night, he's the one that pushes our social media. He said, what's a little uh, phrase that you can, can put on here, like a little T-shirt that'll go out on Facebook and Instagram and all those? And I said, wait well. Wait well. Learn to wait well, because we have this promise. They that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Anybody love to see an eagle? We're going to mount up with wings just like an eagle. We'll run. We won't be weary. We'll walk, and we won't faint. Claim that promise. Surrender your life to say, teach me, Lord, to wait. Teach me not to pray it away. Teach me to allow this pressure to develop strength in me, to develop a beautiful garment of patience. It's not something that he's going to dump down on us. It's something that in partnership with him, he sows and he develops this beautiful wardrobe within us. And patience is one of those. What's that thing that you've been praying for? And it just seems like it's not happening. That person is not changing. Had someone after the service last night send me a message and say, wow, 
It's like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me that I've been waiting on my mother-in-law to change, and I didn't realize that he was trying to develop me as I wait. It totally revolutionized her. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what it means to wait and the blessing that comes. Who is that person that you're just waiting on to change and then it'll be okay? No, that person may never change. But in the meantime, you can be growing. You can be sowing. You can be developing. Next time you're in traffic, next time that thing gets on your last nerve, take courage. It takes courage to praise God in the midst of your frustration. It takes gutsy to stop yourself and say, no, I'm not going to focus on what I'm not getting here that I really want and how I want them to change. Drivers are always going to be bad. Situations are always going to happen. Take courage in that moment. Praise God for a moment. Practice that. Take that time to practice waiting. God is in the waiting. He's there. He wants to change us and transform us. And if we will just remain steadfast, don't give up. Because you claim that promise just like the the greats of the Bible. Become one of those greats. Who knows, in a thousand years they may be reading about your name. Who knows? We can take courage and learn to wait. You know what? I think uh, last night I had people stand, but let's just, uh, you guys, sing this song. and um, Just sit there and listen to this song. Sing along with it if you want to, but just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. If you can take one takeaway from this and actually incorporate it into your life, the world will be changed, okay? Listen to the song.
strength and joy. Let his words lead you on. Do not forget his great faithfulness. He'll finish all he's begun. So take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting. He's in the waiting. And hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds. He's never failing. He's never failing. So take courage, my heart. Stay steadfast, my soul. He's in the waiting, he's in the waiting, and hold on to your hope as your triumph unfolds. He's never failing, he's never failing, and you who holds the stars, who surely keep your promise to me that I will rise in your victory. someone who just works hard to have patience and really doesn't care about Jesus they're really important people too but you know what makes us different we never give up hope we have a promise and we have a hope and when we have that hope and we're living that promise our 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 words will change because in the middle of that intensity we'll say I know God's gonna come through with this 
It may not be in the way that I understand, or I may not even see it in my lifetime, but I know. Can you imagine how encouraging and what a difference that would make in our world if that was our conversation, if those were our words in the middle of things that weren't working out the way we wanted them to work out? Wow, what a difference. He wants to develop this wardrobe, this garment within us that will never change. Let's stand together. Father, thank you so much for your promises. Thank you, God, that in you we can trust. We can trust you for your perfect timing, and it's usually never our timing, Father. But, Father, I pray that we will continue to trust, to use those times when we have to wait and things aren't going our way and we don't see any results as the prime time for us to grow and for you to do something amazing within us. I pray, Lord, that we would be people that would be steadfast in your hope and in your promises and never, ever, ever give up. And Father, I know that there are those here this morning that hope seems to be fading in that thing that they just desire so much and they're good desires, Lord. They're for marriages and they're for children and they're for our world and therefore um, flood victims and there are good desires that we have but Lord it just seems sometimes that as we're uh, pleading with you that our hope begins to dim and so Lord I pray for that person here this morning that has been praying for something and it just seems like it's not happening would you renew their strength would you allow them to rise up during this time, Father? And I just want to offer you this morning while everyone's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, we're standing right in the midst of the Holy Spirit. If you're that person this morning that hope seems to be dimming about something that you see that just aches in your heart and you wish would change, I want to pray for you specifically, not by name, but just collectively. Would you just raise your hand so I can see? Thank you. Thank you. All over this room, thank you. Father, I pray specifically right now that each person that raised their hand, and maybe for those that weren't bold enough to raise their hand, Lord, if hope is dimming, Father, I pray that their eyes can shift from that person or that thing or that situation to you that during this time of growth that can be so excruciating sometimes when the pressure builds up, Lord, that the valve of praise and of trust will be their capstone. Father, I pray that you'll give them something this week that will be encouraging, but most of all, Lord, I pray that each one will grab hold of that promise that you cannot lie and that if we endure, we will be blessed. You've proven yourself, God. It's a matter of us trusting you. So, Father, I thank you so much for this time that we've had together. I thank, that you, thank you that your presence has been so very real. But most of all, Lord, I thank you that you've challenged us to develop this wardrobe of compassion, of kindness, of gentleness, and patience that can only be sown by you. We love you, we praise you, we give you all the glory. 
for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you hang on to that hope. Remain steadfast. Share it with the world, and we'll see you next week. Take care.